Welcome to Zero Downtime, the new podcast brought to you by DCD's editorial team in partnership with Vertiv, the world's leading critical infrastructure provider. Vertiv has kept the world's leading businesses connected for more than 50 years. We build, deliver, and support critical infrastructure that's available, sustainable, and future-ready. Visit us at vertiv.com and see what we can do for you. Welcome to the DCD Downtime podcast. Today, we're welcoming back Alex DeVries of Digiconomist. Um, for a, a well-earned return to this podcast. So it's good to have you here. Thank you for having me again. Mm. Okay, so last time uh, you were talking to Sebastian about the energy use of, uh, of Bitcoin, um, an issue which is still of interest and your site still tracks the energy use of uh, crypto mining and Bitcoin in particular. Um, and... Uh, but you've recently turned your attention to something um, perhaps more topical, which is the energy use of artificial intelligence, of AI systems. Um, can you tell us a little bit about how you're doing that and what, what you're finding? Yeah, sure. Well, I think one interesting thing to observe, first of all, is that uh, what was very uh, unique about uh, cryptocurrency mining is that in just a couple of years it went from basically nothing to half a percent of global electricity consumption huh? uh, <laughs> half of what all other data centers in the world were responsible for consuming in terms of electricity know, between the years let's say 2018 and now so here we're talking about a, a time span of about five years in which the energy consumption of uh, bitcoin mining rapidly uh, escalated and now the interesting thing is we have this new emerging trend, uh, artificial intelligence, which has been around for a long time, but really kicked off in the past year. And uh, interestingly, uh, based on my own analysis, the energy consumption related to AI could actually follow a pretty similar trajectory as previously uh cryptocurrency mining in the previous years because the results of my recent research show that uh, by 2027 uh, the electricity consumption related uh, to newly manufactured devices uh, for AI purposes could um, uh, be equivalent to the electricity consumption of uh, my home country the Netherlands which is actually exactly the point where uh, Bitcoin mining is today. <laughs> so mm -hmm. uh, again, in just a, a couple of years time, we could be uh, again adding more energy consumption uh, to global data centers uh, and in the similar magnitude as previously cryptocurrency mining. Mm. Right. So, I mean, the interesting thing, I mean, I've, I've heard numerous people who are very concerned about the energy use of AI and the rate at which it's ramping up. Um, but they, they tend to be sort of working on a gut feeling, a gut feeling which probably isn't wrong. But I mean, the difference with you, as with uh, as you did with Bitcoin, is you've figured out a, a way of um, getting a, a proper sort of um, objective handle on what that energy use is likely to be. So could you talk us through the methodology of it? Yeah, yeah. this is this is much harder than putting a number on uh, cryptocurrency mining for that matter. If you look at Bitcoin mining, 
we have a lot of information we can use to figure out the numbers related to uh, to that um, to the power consumption of that system. Uh, for example, every day we get information about the computational power of the network. We have information on uh, how many money is being earned by all the participants in the network. We have uh, well uh, information. Uh, to quite some extent about the uh, amount of uh, money they're paying for electricity and uh, taking all those variables you can quite easily to figure out um, what what hmm. would be the energy consumption related to the network especially since uh, you also know what devices are available out there to do this type of work to begin with now hmm. when it comes to ai there is not a daily number for computational resources used by all uh, artificial intelligence that's not being you yes. can't find that number anywhere they're, so <laughs> they're not all sitting on a blockchain somewhere <laughs> exactly uh, the, the, there is no total ai computational power uh, thing that you can look up and then start to work your way from there um, but one one thing that you can do with this specific segment is you can take a look at the supply chain that's uh, uh, one of the things I previously did for cryptocurrency mining as well and in the case of AI we can establish that uh, in the AI server supply chain at the moment NVIDIA is absolutely dominating with an estimated market share of about 95% so one thing you can do is you can try to figure out uh, what would be the energy consumption related to uh, the uh, uh, projected growth in their production uh, in the coming years. Um, that's, that's uh, well, um, it's, it's not a perfect uh, way to do analysis for sure, uh, but you can use that to get an idea of how AI-related electricity consumption may develop in the coming years. And, and this is the only way to do it holistically, uh, because these servers that NVIDIA is producing, these very high-end AI servers, uh, you know that they are going to be used for AI. So <laughs> every single unit, every single unit of those is going to attribute towards AI-related energy consumption in some way, regardless of how it's used exactly. Uh, this is also an important thing. You can you can also take it more bottom up and uh, try to figure it out from uh, whatever application is using AI, and then aggregate a lot of things. But this is this is really looking at everything AI holistically through the supply chain, how many of these machines are being put out and what's the electricity consumption related to those machines. And keeping in mind that every single AI server in itself can already consume as much power as as a handful of US households combined, every single one. And we're not talking about a few units here, we're talking hundreds of thousands uh, up to more than, uh, or maybe 1.5 million by the year 2027. And that's of course when things start adding up really quickly. <laughs> um, this analysis is imperfect for a lot of ways, uh, uh, for a lot of reasons. Uh, uh, one, one big condition is that the demand for these machines has to remain uh, high. Well, for now, it's true that demand exceeds supply. So NVIDIA is actually beating all the forecasts for the moment. It's not a guarantee that's going to continue to be the case. Um, another thing is that even if you have these numbers, you don't know where they're going to end up at. You don't know where the servers are going to end up at. Are they going to be at Google? Are they going to be at uh, uh, Meta, uh, Microsoft? Are they going to be at some other data center? Who's going to be using those servers? And why does that matter? Well, uh, the only estimate you can do, given uh, the supply chain production, 
is the energy consumption of the servers themselves, or actually the maximum energy consumption of the servers themselves. But it doesn't tell you anything about the amount of cooling that's going to be required. That depends on who's going to be using the servers and how efficient they are. Google is typically very efficiently uh, they, the, uh, for the company average data centers. Uh, sorry, for the company's data center average. I think uh, they need about 10% extra power to keep their machines cool. Um, now, that's Google. Uh, global data centers, you're talking maybe 50% extra power. Uh, and that's an average. So there are plenty of data centers out there that may need 100% or more uh, extra power just to keep the devices uh, uh, in, in optimal performance. Um, you don't know that. Huh? So you look at the supply chain, uh, you get a number. The number doesn't reflect utilization. I mean, if you're buying a 200,000 server, uh, hey, you're probably going to push the utilization as much as you can, but uh, no guarantees there. And then you still have to add all the cooling on top, but that depends on where these machines are going to be uh, sitting. Um, and if you want to take that further, if you want to determine environmental impact relating to all of this, then you would have to know the same thing because you don't know if it's renewable or fossil fuel-based energy going into these machines without knowing where they are. Um, so yeah, yeah, this 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 is a very rough approach to getting some idea to how things may develop in the coming years with a lot of limitations. But um, let's say it's probably a, a not a bad <laughs> uh, first impression about what might happen in this regard, uh, and and it's probably the only way to to actually come up with a number at all at the moment because most companies aren't disclosing the data that you would need to do it any other way. Mm -hmm. Right. Yes. I mean, it seems a solid um, way of estimating it to me, and um, you know, and along the way, just uh, flags up some of the really odd things about this AI market. That you know, that you can have a market where you can track its energy use simply by the production of one component shows that it, it's 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 a really odd monopoly that's developing here. Ninety five percent of the uh, AI. Um, work that's being done is these nvidia chips and they've published the uh, energy the power usage and we know the h100 will consume can consume more than 10 kilowatts multiply that by the number which nvidia says it will produce and you have that potential and yeah and as you say combine that with the fact that at the moment demand massively exceeds supply and you can kind of and it's a pretty good guess to say that if the uh, um, if the projections hold out, that much power will be used directly by the chips, plus on top of that, an extra amount used for cooling them, which will which will vary. So yeah, um, exactly. Yeah. And and it might happen a bit faster than the timeline I uh, I presented, simply because uh, of course there will be others trying to take a piece of the pie here. Uh, this is a multi-billion-dollar market, and I'm, I'm pretty sure that Nvidia has plenty of competitors that also want to have a piece of that. Uh, and the thing is that w within this supply chain, there's a lot of highly specialist production process, and it just takes quite a lot of well not just a lot of investment but even if you can make the investment it just takes a lot of time to get your production processes up to speed um, but you can uh, you can be uh, certain that the competition for nvidia is is working round the clock to make sure that they can start getting a piece of the pie as well which can actually uh, contribute to maybe um, 
increasing the pace of things here. Uh, but again, hey, this is this this whole production process. I mean, hey, in the end, one of the big bottlenecks right now is not even chips; it's actually packaging uh, for these chips because of using special kind of memory. Um, and that that is a problem or a bottleneck that's sitting at Nvidia's supplier TSMC, uh, the Taiwan Semiconductor Manufacturing Company. They don't have enough capacity at the moment. They might resolve it in the coming years. Well, maybe someone else will also figure out a way to do it uh, in the coming years. Well, we'll have to see. <laughs> um, but uh, at least for now, uh, given given the current circumstances, uh, you could say it's uh, these bottlenecks are at least a reason that for now the the projected growth is at least in the immediate future still a little bit um, limited. But yeah, again, the numbers don't have to be uh, very big to start stacking up really quickly with the insane power requirement of each of these mm -hmm. individual servers. Yes. I mean, and I guess we might hope that perhaps um, chip developers might find some magic way to do the same job using less power yes and this um, is actually where something really interesting starts to happen with ai because if we look at data centers historically we have seen a tremendous uh, increase in demand for digital services for the past decades um, but between the years 2010 and 2018 the amount of data center electricity uh, or uh, amount of worldwide data center electricity consumption was estimated to have remained the same throughout the whole time period, about 1% of global electricity consumption. Um, a stabilizing factor is indeed that uh, as demand was growing, machines were getting better. Uh, that, and of course, uh, cloud also helped to mitigate some of the growth uh, in that regard, uh, moving from on-premise to cloud servers. But uh, definitely improvement <laughs> in hardware capabilities played a significant role in keeping energy consumption stable for regular data centers. But AI has some very unique traits um, that could result in some atypical behavior. Uh, and one thing to know with AI is that if you have a bigger model, it's going to be more robust. That, that's, that's always going to be the, the case. That's just mathematically that can be proven. A more robust, a robust model always means better performance. So if you want a bigger model or a better model, you need to make it bigger. Right. Um, and. I mean, I guess the improvements are probably a bit asymptotic. You know, you, you, you start from a tiny model and you make it 10 times as big. That gets better. But then yeah. you double the size of that. Maybe the benefits start to get a bit smaller as it goes along. Yes. Well, actually, that's that's a, a very interesting thing by itself as the curve is uh, very weird. I think it's very uh, steep in the beginning, slows down, then increases again. Uh, it, it's it's, it's very, inter very interesting. But you do indeed ultimately end up at a point where the incremental increases are going to be relatively small compared to uh, the cost uh, that you would have to incur for making the model even uh, um, bigger. But the thing is, as you make the hardware um, more efficient or the models more efficient, you uh, reduce the cost. Uh, you reduce the cost of making the models even bigger. So uh, <laughs> the, there is actually some expectation there that as uh, hardware and models become more efficient, uh, it will actually uh, there will actually be an incentive to just keeping the making the models even bigger. Um, and of course, if you do that, then uh, despite your efficiency gains, you need more computational resources which would negate those e efficiency gains. And this this is something that we we you can actually 
to a certain extent observe uh, uh, as well with uh, cryptocurrency mining. Actually, it's a lot worse in cryptocurrency mining because there's less variables at work. And we've always seen that in the case of cryptocurrency mining, improving efficiency has never led to res less resources being used simply because if you gave those miners more efficient devices, uh, they would simply use more. So, yes, um, it's, so there's a sort of there's another version of Jevon's paradox applying in in, in AI and in crypto. Yeah, and, and more efficient and, just means more get more gets done. Yeah, it's just that in in AI the equation is a lot more complex. There's a lot less variables at work in cryptocurrencies, also more clearly defined. I mean, with AI, it's much much harder to come up with what is going to be your expected benefit from making your model even bigger. Bars in cryptocurrency mining there's a very clear number that you're going to get for adding more computational resources so uh, there's more uncertainty but nevertheless in terms of incentives and in terms of behavior ai in that regard might be more closer to cryptocurrencies than to regular data centers what we've seen over time where increasing efficiency mm. actually helps keeping power consumption low that's interesting. That's very interesting. Yeah. I mean, essentially, I may, maybe there's something fundamental going on there, like the demand for digital services depends on actual people wanting to do things, whereas the demand for AI can expand beyond the number of people available to use them because they're, you know, you hear things like how they, you know, they, they can that they're running out of content to produce. So we have to have AI systems to process more content into them, that kind of thing. Yeah. There's well, there's another factor in in the derivation of the energy use that interests me, and that's you're kind of basing it on like here's the number of chips that um, uh, Nvidia can produce in a year, and um, it strikes me that there's another factor there that's the the lifetime of those chips because you know by 2027, the year you, with, with, that you were talking about for the cross yeah. crossing over the, the energy use of the Netherlands, I mean, at that stage, there'll be a certain number of chips coming into use, but all the chips that have been produced until then, some of those will still be in use. And the energy that will be used by the total number of um, uh, NVIDIA GPUs in the world will depend to some extent on how long they live. Yeah, and this is also a very interesting point because if you look at, uh, for example, uh, Meta, they depreciate their regular servers in about six years. They actually re recently uh, increased regular server life them, but they made an exception specifically for AI servers because they honestly don't really know <laughs> exactly how long they're going to last. This is a very rapidly developing uh, market uh, with also the hardware rapidly developing. So it wouldn't be too crazy to expect that maybe the server even they maybe just last three years instead of uh, the six years for regular service uh, maybe even shorter at this point we we honestly don't know um, I guess you could say that from an energy consumption perspective the shorter they last uh, the more you can focus on what is being produced in a single year uh, at the same time uh, it also has some interesting implications in terms of disposal because it means you're cycling through your hardware a lot ra more rapid than before uh, which would then mean that you're significantly increasing your electronic waste output at the end of the line so uh, there's also some dynamic there that's not even uh, been discussed uh, within uh, the 
research I've published so far. But uh, it, it would definitely be interesting to see how that's going to develop going forward. Yes, no one is yet talking about what to do with these GPUs when they finished with them. Yeah, exactly. Um, except to the to the same extent that they talk about e waste with with yeah. any servers. Yeah, we, we we know that uh, they will probably serve the same fate as eighty five percent of all e waste, which is that they'll just end up being discarded in some landfill for some time, where they're leaching toxic materials into the ground into the uh, uh, groundwater. Uh, until they're taken apart for parts and incinerated, and then all the toxic materials end up in the air. Uh, that is sadly the fate of uh, a, a lot of e-waste. Only fifteen percent of, I think, about that number uh, uh, is being recycled globally. So uh, that's a separate matter. That's really terrible. Uh, but uh, in any case, it it looks like AI, uh, AI may uh, contribute to increasing uh, the e-waste output for uh, service. Mm, yes, I mean, because that was one of the aspects of Bitcoin that struck me that, you know, it's not just using as much energy as a large country. Every every Bitcoin transaction is roughly the same as throwing away two iPhones, which was a lovely yeah. statistic, well, yeah. an interesting statistic, not particularly yeah. lovely. Because and there is a, a very big incentive there to just keep those machines, making those machines more powerful. Uh, mm -hmm. The more efficient your machine is, the more profit you make. Uh, mm. But then everyone is stuck in this competition where everyone is just trying to put out the best, most powerful machine as best as possible. And then as those machines are released into the market, they quickly uh, push out the lesser efficient machines because they can no longer mm. profitably operate. With AI, again, this is a lot more complex uh, mm. thing. But you, you could probably say at some level, if you're not running the most efficient AI machines, maybe you can't make uh, the best models. Huh? So, <laughs> I mean, yes. the, to, that's to... right. I mean, with, with Bitcoin, you've got a situation where the machine is simply converting electricity into money. Um, yeah. There's, there's not the, the, the process of how AI makes makes money is um, still much more theoretical than that. And it's yeah. hard. To, uh, yeah. So one, I suppose, could imagine that if AI turns out to be so dramatically useful, uh, people will find a way to use the old um, yeah. GPUs and, and keep them in keep them in action longer, which yeah. might be a good thing from the e-waste point of view. It might be terrible from the point of view of the amount of energy they use. Yeah, and 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 talking about things being useful, I think we uh, need to be careful in making too many comparisons between uh, cryptocurrency mining and artificial intelligence. I don't think that's completely fair. I think it's good to mm. observe some right. of the the similarities, uh, but mm -hmm. at the same time, the outputs are completely different and in no way comparable. Mm. If you're looking at cryptocurrency mining, you're looking at machines that are working around the clock to produce completely useless numbers. In fact, every single number mm. that's being produced by a cryptocurrency miner is immediately being discarded. And you're talking about quintillions of such numbers every second of the day nonstop. That's why uh, Bitcoin mining is so energy intensive, but it produces nothing of value. If you look at AI, that is a completely different story because all the con all the work that's being done with AI contributes to uh, a model and a model that can be applied into some specific case. So uh, instead of having nothing, you actually have something that's, <laughs> that's, that you're going to be able to work with. And maybe that something can actually uh, yield something positive somewhere. Uh, uh, I've I've heard I've heard I've heard people say uh, or suggest that uh, AI can lead to increases uh, in uh, production efficiency in some cases. So, uh, hey, if you take that into consideration, 
uh, you could actually have some offsetting uh, effects. Although at the same time, with regard to those offsetting effects, it becomes even more complex once you have to consider uh, rebound effects as well. Huh? The Jevons paradox, where at some point, if you make production processes more efficient, people just started consuming more of it and you end up with more resources being used than before you increase the efficiency of the production. Huh? We have seen this throughout a whole very long history of technological change. It was first observed by William Jevons in 18. 65 who established that hey uh, the uh, increasing efficiency of coal leads to more people using coal and then in total we're using more coal than before uh, but this uh, this has been a guiding principle throughout all of uh, the whole history of technological change no matter what what you take even in some recent examples of artificial intelligence uh, you see that uh, artificial intelligence gets uh, um, embedded within services the services become cheaper but then in the end uh, people demand more and you end up with more jobs than before simply because there's more demand <laughs> so uh in terms of resource use uh, uh increasing efficiency often doesn't automatically imply we're going to actually save uh, on total resources being consumed uh, it can actually be quite the opposite as well so that that makes the ultimate uh, net uh, effect here extremely hard to compute Mm, right but i mean it, it it is so tempting to make that comparison and play around with it a bit you know here, here you have um a new sort of um use of technology that sort of comes from virtually nowhere and grows in five years to use half a percent of the world's electricity that's true of both things and um and, yeah. and and it's also and true that some I, of the same uh, people sorry jump yeah. in yeah sorry i wanted one thing i want to add there is that half a percent of global electricity consumption might not sound like a lot to a lot of people but especially within the context of data centers uh, data centers have historically without cryptocurrency mining involved been responsible for one percent of global electricity mm. consumption so if you take cryptocurrency mining you take ai uh, we we are doubling global data center electricity consumption in in just a few mm. years time <laughs> yes which is a, a very odd thing to do and one which kind of ought to make the rest of society look at what data centers are doing in, in perhaps a different way. Um, so, but I mean, and, and it's some of the same people that are doing it. I mean, are you noticing this, that, may, that some of the people that previously were um, offering uh, Bitcoin services are now um, doing AI? I mean, the, the other, another similarity between the two is that we'd, we should maybe talk a little bit about the difference between um, training and inference. But I mean, AI training AI models is something that can be done um, with sort of relatively off the net uh, resources. You can have a low latency. You send the information. You start the training, and it can go and it, it can go ahead with lot not that much interaction. And similarly with Bitcoin, you just set the Bitcoin machines work the mining mining rigs working, and they just uh, come back with the results every now. And you don't need continuous communication. So. I've noticed that, I mean, some of the um, people that set up to do um, Bitcoin mining are now saying, yes, no, but we've got these, G we're now ordering a new lot of GPUs and you can do AI on the same people like uh, Crusoe Energy and, I mean, and Coreweave are set up to do this kind of thing with AI. Start yeah, with. yeah, yeah. The thing is that... Um... Uh, one one example of of uh, cri uh, cryptocurrency miners that are trying to switch to AI 
is uh, related to the second largest crypto asset uh, uh, available in the market being Ethereum, uh, which actually was running on very energy intensive uh, mining like Bitcoin until last year, uh, actually about this time last year. And then they made a change to their uh, software, which kind of eliminated the whole mining process completely. They just substituted it with a more sustainable alternative that doesn't require uh, these insane amount of computational power. Yes, that was proof of stake. Was that? Yes, exactly. They went from uh, the energy intensive mining, which is known as proof of work, to something that doesn't require computational efforts, known as proof of stake. Um, and, and doing so, they cut their energy requirement by about 99.9%. So that was a, a, a Massive energy savings, and as a result of that switch, a lot of the uh, miners on that network who were using GPUs, uh, in, in I have to add it, in the case of Bitcoin, people are using or miners are using highly specialized equipment that cannot be used for other tests. So you couldn't be doing AI with the machines that are used for Bitcoin mining; they're just too specialized. Mm. But in the case of Ethereum, there were a bunch of more generic GPUs being used, and uh, those were left sitting idle after this network uh, uh, flicked the switch, <laughs> uh, so to say. Mm. So uh, a bunch of these miners are, have been looking to try and com- uh, make their computational power uh, that's available to them useful again in artificial intelligence because they're just sitting on it. The machines are not being used. And some of them have indeed made the switch. <coughs> but the thing is, these devices are suboptimal for the task at hand. They're in no way comparable to those high-end NVIDIA servers. So if you're going to be u- using uh, those uh, uh, older serve or, or older devices for AI-related tasks, yeah, you have to consider that the cost of doing that are going to be a lot higher than if you're going to be using these very high-end servers. And the only reason why you might turn to those um all the devices is because at the moment the newer are not available and the production uh, uh, capacity of newer machines is limited. So you might take the opportunity to turn to all the devices, whatever is available for the time being until you can get your hands on these really powerful servers. Uh, or unless you have a really small model that needs to be uh, trained. Huh? If you if you don't need a, a ton of computational resources, of course, you can also <laughs> try uh, with a more generic uh, component. Um, but I think in general, you can state that... Um, uh, most of AI will probably be done by these new AI powerhouse machines uh, that uh, and that only for the time being uh, the, these older devices can provide a little bit of relief for uh, the market that's completely overheated. Mm-hmm. And just an aside really that I should have talked about earlier, when you say most of AI, are you talking particularly there about the training? Because you know there are these uh, two sides to AI. Yeah, this is another. Uh, this is an interesting thing to zoom in on, uh, because when it comes to AI, you need ha- have energy consumption related to a training uh, phase, and then uh, you start putting that model that you produced in production, and then you, uh, that's the inference uh, phase where you start responding to hmm. live queries using uh, the model you built in real time. Um, w- the his, historically there has been a very ho- a heavy focus on the training side uh, in terms of energy uh, consumption uh, 
Um, one reason for that is, uh, I, I think, is because there has been very little adoption of artificial <laughs> yep. intelligence. So uh, it's automatically going to be the case that uh, training is going to have a much heavier weight compared to inference if no one's using the models that you're training. <laughs> um, and then actually, as of this year, with ChatGPT especially, you see the opposite happen. Huh? We, we see that, yeah, okay, the, the training of the, the models underlying ChatGPT was energy intensive, but it doesn't even begin to compare with the power requirement you need to run a, a chat GPT every single day. So uh, just to give some numbers here, hey, when, it uh, when it came to training GPT-3, uh, we don't have the numbers on GPT-4, but GPT-3 was trained with, I uh, think about 1300 megawatt hour uh, of uh, electricity, um, a little bit less. And in, in, in terms of running, uh, the model uh, every single day in a live environment for 100 million users uh, that probably requires close to 600 megawatt hours. <laughs> uh, so uh, taking these two numbers, you, you see that... 600 it megawatt hours over what period? Every, every right. single day. Every single oh, okay. Day. Every single yeah. day, right. Yeah, so, so you're, talk, you're talking about close to 1,300 megawatt hours for the training in total versus every single day running this model to 100 million users. Uh, and, and, and this is why... I think it's way too soon to be saying anything about training versus inference, especially now that we're entering this new stage where uh, adoption of AI is uh, definitely a, a lot more significant uh, than before. Although we still have to see if it will actually last. Uh, even with JetGPT, you already see declining user interest, and it's only been less than a year. Uh, but yes, yeah. There's, there's, so, um, so when you when you estimate this. Um, uh, 85 to 134 terawatt hours of uh, use yeah. by energy use by AI. Is that excluding inference or does that include inference? Well, in, in, in the, the interesting thing is that it doesn't matter because you're looking at the, uh, ah. at the the devices itself and those devices can be used for both training and inference. All right. So <laughs> you're assuming all, all the inference is done still on, on the uh, NVIDIA GPUs. Yeah, yeah, uh, right. Yeah, because I mean, don't some models of AI hope that you'll be able to actually deploy the um, the, the AI closer to the user and have the inference done, uh, you know, in, in an edge data center or even sometimes on the device? Or is that not not really a practical idea? Sorry, what else? Uh... I mean, the, 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 surely in some cases, inference is meant to be pushed out closer to the user and done on. Oh, yeah, for devices. sure. That's that's also a thing. Hey, when you're putting a, a massive model like this in in, in real time production, la latency matters a lot. Uh, uh, and uh, well, I mean, hey, if you want to reduce the latency, then you need to bring the model closer to the the users. But that just means you're going to have to do some replication, which just makes it worse. <laughs> so, mm. yeah. In the end, that means you have the same uh, models running in multiple different locations. Uh, right. So it, it seems like most of the sort of potentially <laughs> inaccuracies we're finding in your estimate are ones which would push the energy use up. You know, yeah. it's going to, the, the energy used is going to be more if, if these uh, are in data centers that need lots of cooling. Uh, the yeah. energy use is going to be more if the inference is done in a distributed way and the, the energy use is going to, yeah. So it, it, it's, it's potentially more concerning. 
Yeah. And I guess the um, the hopeful side, the ways in which your estimate might be an overestimate would be if it turns out that AI is not as uh, is not as successful as it's ho- as the uh, proponents kind of hope yeah. it will be. And, uh, obviously, if demand uh, collapses completely, then uh, <laughs> yeah, we're, mm. we're talking a completely different story. Uh, but uh, again, for for the time being, the market is completely overheated. Uh, uh, all, all the numbers are being crushed by NVIDIA. All the projections are being crushed by NVIDIA for the time mm. being. So um, uh, there, let, we can definitely say that my projections are uh, more than realistic uh, path based on what we're seeing in the market currently, uh, mm. even conservative, uh, not considering some factors uh, out there. Uh, but um, yeah, at the same time, yeah, we, people do start to see the shortcomings of AI already. Even ChatGPT mm. is experiencing declining interest. People are realizing large language models <coughs> are not perfect knowledge bases where you can just get any perfect answer from. <laughs> uh, yes. it's, it's a language model. It 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 will maybe provide you with a correct answer depends based on how it's trained and uh, well it, uh, the language on which it's been trained might actually include the correct answer, but it might just as well <laughs> hallucinate mm-hmm. something completely that makes no sense. And if you're not yes. an ex- if you're not an expert, that's right. <laughs> yes, I think we as we we yeah. I mean, in, in my job, we are finding significant uh, sufficient counter examples to prove that ai cannot write good journalism yeah um yeah and uh no you know you're you're i'm, I'm sure you needn't be worried about an, an ai replacing your job um so <laughs> these I'm, things I'm pre- have been i'm yeah, pretty sure on. that ai can support in a lot of roles huh? i mean it's, mm. it's probably in in some cases useful to have ai do some first type of draft uh, which then can be corrected by maybe a, a, a natural person, but have uh, AI completely overtaking humans. Well, I mean, I think we have to establish that automation has never replaced humans. That's uh, for the past 150 years of technological change. Automation has never replaced humans. We have more jobs than ever before, uh, despite everything, despite the internet, you name it. <laughs> so uh, the work has changed. I think that is one thing we should establish. The work has changed. Some jobs have been become uh, obsolete but at the same time we need more people than ever before so um, yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's good I guess one thing that might slow down the deployment of um, AI might be the realization of the costs of deploying the inference stage you know um, Microsoft has added AI to Bing because and it can afford to do so because um, Bing has relatively few users you know, if if Google were to apply AI to Google searches, the each search would cost six times as much for Google to um, deliver, and that might actually affect the, the the economics of running the Google search engine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I worked out an example of what would happen if you turn Google into JetGPT today, mm-hmm. given currently available models and and hardware. Um, now, if if you do that, the energy consumption of a Google query would go up uh, ten to twenty fold, and All right. and Google's total electricity consumption would surge up to the level of Ireland by itself. So, um, the, 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 you're you're talking some some pretty significant numbers there. Uh, whereas, of course, the limiting factor is that 
uh, Google would have to be able to invest 100 billion to acquire all of these servers. <laughs> uh, now, if they do that, the operating margin for Google search is going to be completely decimated just from this investment. Uh, and not even considering the money mm -hmm. needed to actually run them. <laughs> and yeah. um, um, on top of that, uh, the, the, the production capability to, to deliver all the servers needed isn't there at the moment. Uh, there's no way NVIDIA can deliver all those servers right now. So even if Google wanted to, it would throw all their money away. <laughs> uh, Nvidia can't deliver. Um, but and, still, and uh, we, yeah. and we'd no longer have any computers to to do the Google search because Google would need all the computers to <laughs> to deliver it. Yes. Yeah. So. Um... Uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I think this this is at least one example that shows you that AI is uh, energy intensive uh, compared to what we have today, standard Google search versus AI powered Google search. Um, um, but at the same time, uh, uh, again, the, the a more realistic growth path is not reflected in these numbers. Uh, then you have to really consider what are the real production capabilities in the coming years, because this is way too much. Uh, and not just production capabilities, but also willingness to invest. It's just going to cost a ton of money. Uh, how many players are going to be able to afford all the millions or even billions needed to run these massive models every single day in a real-time environment, generating quick uh, responses from those massive models? Yeah, that's 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 a big cost. There's not going to be that many companies in the world even capable of affording that. Mm. Right. A another comparison. Um Crypto mining is done by more or less a separate community to the regular IT services and data center and cloud communities, whereas AI is being done by those same people. So um, it, it's going to, it, they're, they're, they're more closely joined. It's more closely joined to the regular data center and IT sector. Absolutely. That, I guess, is going to make a difference. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is also because um, uh, cryptocurrency mining is so extremely specialist. The devices used for Bitcoin mining are so extremely specialist, you can't do anything else with them. So uh, typically, uh, you're either in cryptocurrency mining or you're not. <laughs> uh, but um, when it comes to AI, AI is, is something that can be... Uh, uh, embedded within uh, all kinds of applications and processes. So uh, uh, the people that are uh, regularly uh, working with um, well, uh, uh, normal servers uh, will, will probably find a, a use for AI servers. <laughs> so uh, and indeed, I had that, that that is going to be much closer to each other. And I think uh, I, I, um, within the data center community, uh, cryptocurrency mining is typically a little bit considered as an isolated thing. Uh, if you look at, for example, the International Energy Agency, if they talk about data center electricity consumption, they will tell you, oh, this is data centers and this is cryptocurrency mining. They don't consider it one thing. And in the literature on this topic, this is actually uh, a recurring thing, whereas you're never really certain of whether the numbers include or exclude cryptocurrency mining, <laughs> uh, because a lot of uh, uh, people just don't consider it part of regular data centers. Um, with AI, well, obviously, uh, NVIDIA and the whole production for AI uh, service for NVIDIA is related to their data center segment. So already in the production 
uh, uh, chain, uh, you see that they're attributing the, the, this uh, production to the same line as they would any other thing for data center production. Uh, so I, th I think it just comes more natural to take those together, whereas uh, yeah, cryptocurrency mining is typically an isolated thing, although it does happen in the same type of data centers. Uh, I mean, in terms of layout, <laughs> you, you, you ultimately look at things that, uh, whether it's a regular data center or a cryptocurrency uh, a mining data center, they're going to look uh, alike to some extent, yeah. <laughs> mm. And I guess in due course, when um, you know Google, Microsoft, Facebook have their AI um, work really going strongly, um, we will see their uh, energy consumption sort of quoted in the um, ESG reports that those uh, companies produce. Um, yeah, but um, for now, not the AI-related uh, electricity consumption. So it's actually really hard to get numbers on this mm. uh, because uh, these companies are not really disclosing much granular information with regard to how much power yeah. they're by AI. Uh, oh yeah, I wasn't, I, I wasn't expecting them to break it out separately. That would that would be that would be way too transparent for them. Yeah, well, they also don't really provide a lot of information with regard to their data centers. But uh, then, mm. then if you wanted even more granular that information is certainly not there which is why my analysis was limited to uh, the yeah. supply chain and, and one very dominant player uh, there's just no way uh, to acquire any more granular numbers on the actual users of these machines uh, for mm -hmm. the time being so maybe this is something that uh, regulators could uh, think about whether the, the current disclosure requirements are sufficient <laughs> mm -hmm. to be able to understand what's going to happen with this trend in the near future Hmm. What's been the response from the uh, tech giants, from the cloud industry, um, to uh, to your you, to to your paper? I mean, have they uh, are they trying to ignore it? Are they trying to argue with it, or what? Or, or how are they engaging? Uh, not really at all. So uh, I've seen that uh, several journalists reached out uh, for to these big companies, to Nvidia and others, to to get. Uh, uh, any response at all uh, but uh, they simply didn't uh, comment so um, mm -hmm. yeah uh, no response uh, for for now um, mm. right okay so I guess that's um, a little bit of a change from when you were doing bitcoin energy research where you got lots of response <laughs> well yes certainly but that that also involves a lot of people who have invested their money uh, in bitcoin and uh, didn't quite appreciate that there were some uh, oh. negative headlines regarding <laughs> yes <laughs> regarding that, yes uh, yeah yes we can um yeah that's right we we, we obviously sort of feel massively for you if you get um, bullied by people but i guess <laughs> you're, you're you're empathizing to the extent of realizing that some of those bullies are people who've lost a lot of money because they were scammed there's nothing so extreme happening in ai at this stage or or direct no yeah. I, the, in general uh, the the reaction have been more relaxed uh, apart from no response i think this the, the the rest has been generally positive i think people are quite happy that this is being highlighted uh, and i think it's good to just have on your radar especially uh, as one of the concerns relating 
to AI, have your thinking about using it. I mean, sustainability is going to be in the mention there, but also other factors such as, for example, privacy or, or, or a potential bias in, in, in uh, these algorithms. Uh, you, you, you have to consider all of those. Um, and then mm. ultimately you have to see whether you have sufficient benefits to justify your application. <laughs> Yes, yes, that's right. I mean, it's interesting that um, when people started marshalling arguments that were about the difficulties of AI, they did start with the sort of um, the effects and the uses. As the um, I think you know the, the energy use was flagged up um, quite early by Tim Nick Gebru at uh, Google, but it was just part of a set of concerns, and in a way, it's almost the most. Um, obviously sort of physical and practical difficulty that we've seen yeah and at google they were extremely optimistic that energy efficiency gains would completely uh, offset any increase in uh, energy uh, use for uh, ai related tasks so um, I, I think that in my, in my uh, paper i did argue against that uh, there are several reasons why we shouldn't be uh, that optimistic about AI and in fact based on what we're currently seeing happening in the market uh, uh, we're, we're definitely going to see an increase in AI related energy consumption yes and even if they manage to procure renewable energy to cover all that that's an awful lot of renewable energy yeah. that the world might prefer to use um, to decarbonize other sectors like heating yeah. or transport yeah, this is a thing. Huh? I mean, of course, these large tech companies are trying to put their data centers into areas where they can get sustainable energy. I mean, that, that mm-hmm. provides them with a good look. But at the same time, if you look at our uh, global uh, situation, huh, there's only so much uh, renewable energy available. Uh, and if we're going to be increasing our energy demand, then uh, that will typically mean that we're going to be using our backup source, fossil fuel resources, to power that additional demand. It had the, re- the renewables are already taken. <laughs> so yes. increasing our demand is going to increase fossil fuel uses somewhere. So even if you put the renewables in those data centers, that just means that something else has to be powered by fossil fuels because we don't have enough um, renewable energy production <laughs> to cover everything. So, <laughs> And this was actually one of the objections mm. when um, uh, Meta tried to build a new data center in the Netherlands, pretty close mm. to my uh, hometown uh, in the city of Zeewolde. Now, no one's ever heard of that, but it's a, a city where they have a pretty big excess of uh, wind power. Um, but, uh, well, local uh, institutions really rose up against that, saying, okay, uh, why do we need to be spending our renewable energy on a data center that doesn't even yield anything useful for the local economy? It doesn't produce any jobs. It doesn't. It, it, it doesn't attract businesses. If you have a data center, you're sitting mm. in your backyard, and there's no reason why anyone would have to sit very close to that data center. So it doesn't produce jobs. It just takes. It just takes a lot. Um, and this is a, actually a, a big issue with data centers in general. <clears throat> Because I think last year we also saw that, uh, for example, Sweden cut a lot of benefits benefits that data centers were getting uh, within the country. And they were actually getting uh, uh, tax breaks on uh, their electricity consumption. Um, And, uh, well, I'm not really sure what was the thought behind that. Probably that Mm. it would be good for the local economy in some way. I think so. There was a a bit of a bidding war, I think, between Sweden and Norway. They were competing to offer um, better tax breaks for data centers in order to get them to jump across the border. 
Yeah, and then they realized that the benefits weren't there. Right? There is there there. I mean, data centers generate extremely limited benefit compared to the amount of power they're using. Eh? You, you, you're talking extreme amounts of power for maybe a handful of jobs. So mm-hmm. uh, the, uh, I think in Sweden, they were thinking st- stuff like, hey, maybe we could be using this to, I don't know, produce steel <laughs> instead, mm. which actually produces a lot more jobs and might actually attract some local uh, business as well because people can actually use the steel at the spot. <laughs> so, <Yes>. yeah, <laughs> uh, hey, that's, this is... Um, a generic data center thing and i'm actually expecting that there's going to be a lot of friction with regard to data centers around the world uh, as these uh, uh, large tech companies are trying to expand the space that they're using for uh, their mm-hmm. service uh, i mean already we see that these data centers are being rejected are being pushed back so if hey, we're going to be an, uh, seeing another massive increase in um, devices that are going to be deployed in data centers and therefore need even more space than before. Mm. Yeah, that that uh, I wonder where are those machines going to be put? Uh, mm. and, uh, uh, given the current uh, situation with these data centers in some locations where they're already facing so much pushback, that's only going to get worse. Yes, I think you know the, a, a lot of AI training data centers will be sort of suggested in places like. Um, uh, Norway, Iceland, uh, you know, maybe Texas to make up for the um, crypto. I don't know. There's yeah. a lot. Yeah, we, we'll find a lot of AI training data centers um, facing local opposition, I guess. Yeah. Okay. Sure. Yes. So that's a fairly wide ranging conversation. I'm glad to hear that you're not getting bullied by um, the AI industry for drawing attention to this uh, <laughs> aspect of what they're doing um you know perhaps they just haven't quite realized what you said yet but anyway <laughs> uh yeah been... that will uh, that will take a while uh, even even with uh, bitcoin uh, it, it it took uh, some time before that really kicked off uh, really high level discussions and when uh, mm. that happens uh, the, uh, you start seeing uh, an impact on the industry because regulators start doing something with it um, and at this point we're not we're not there yet with AI this is just emerging uh, and I'm, I'm uh, showing mm. a, a potential path forward for how mm. things may develop um, but if if that takes uh, place then uh, of course the industry could start uh, facing more increased uh, pushback and then uh, as a result of that also start pushing back more themselves <laughs> Ex- yes those, those are great points and I think I'm sure we'll be, we'll be talking about them again in future so Alex it's been lovely talking to you thank you for joining us we'll be talking to you again in future I'm sure thank you looking forward already Sustainability is no longer a nice-to-have. It's a priority. Vertive Power, cooling and IT management solutions for critical infrastructure are designed to reduce the use of energy, water, and space. From innovative liquid cooling to dynamic grid services, we work hand-in-hand with customers to enable them to meet their data center sustainability goals. Visit us at vertive.com and see what we can do for you. Thanks for listening to the Zero Downtime Podcast, brought to you in partnership with Vertiv, the world's leading critical digital infrastructure provider. 
Don't forget to like this podcast and subscribe to our channel. We'll see you again next time.